0: Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there is a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
1: in the know the bourbon street shots podcast we're your hosts Shemit duup and mason Ginsberg, and this is all pelicans all the time Welcome to in the know we are recording our first episode in a while post hurricane uh, post a lot of things it's in the doldrums of the nba season so there's not been much going on basketball wise but you guys did submit a lot of questions to us and we want to tackle them but mason it's, it's been a minute what is up Um, you go first because um, you've been the one
2: living uh, uh, during a a major hurricane down in New Orleans so I want to hear from from you how are you doing how's everything
1: how's your family yeah oh man Um, we're good we're definitely pretty fortunate compared to a lot of people outside of Orleans Parish Um, a lot of people I mean even even within Orleans Parish like we got roof damage uh, some water came in into the attic so we're going to need to replace a good portion of the roof and probably the insulation inside of the Mm -hmm. attic, maybe some other stuff. Well, we have an an adjuster coming to take a look and give us an idea of everything um, pretty soon. But other than that, you know, like we're safe, things are fine. I rode out the storm. Um, You know, it was one of those things where, I was kind of keeping an eye on it throughout the week. And then like the rapid intensification occurred and I was like, Oh, oh this is kind of crazy, but it was pointed slightly eastward. And I was like, all right, cool. We'll just, I, I want to sit through this because at that point I didn't feel like driving anywhere. It was like Saturday morning. And I had like reached out to uh, a couple friends of mine who were also planning on staying. And we, we all kind of hunkered down together. Um, and, and that kind of like spurred our decision, like, okay, like, we'll just stay together. We'll be fine. And the storm itself on Sunday was, it was unlike any storm I've been a part of. I mean, I've, I've ridden out a few hurricanes at this point. Um, and this one was different because it ended up sitting and the winds just lasted for hours and hours and hours. And it was absolutely surreal to just, cause we were like right out on the lakefront and so like I like stupidly made some trips out to the lake to go see like what was going on. Those, those <laughs> videos were wild, man. I was like, uh hope it didn't get swept well, up. The first the first video I posted was like the storm hadn't even made landfall yet. And it was just like, okay, this is this is happening. And I didn't go out there while like it had made landfall. I, I went out there like the day after again. But um yeah, I mean, because there was like branches flying around, there was things flying around, I didn't want to get hit by something. Um, but yeah like so for those of you who haven't experienced a hurricane the stuff they say about it with like raining sideways and all that's absolutely true but like it's like a wind wall and and i don't even know how to describe it other than just like it's like perpetual sideways rain for like hours and like normally i think in weaker hurricanes you'll have gusts and like little like intermittent you know uh I guess dull points in in the wind this just felt constant for for hours and yeah I mean there was a lot less lightning and thunder on our side than I expected but the wind was was just absolutely crazy but then the next day you know we came out assessed the damage there was like several trees that were down around like where we hunkered down Um, you know my friend's van had a tree fall on it which is not good and uh went over, I checked out my parents' house, um, got a, got to clean out their fridges and whatnot, because they were they were out of town, uh, they were visiting family and they weren't supposed to be in town anyway. So they didn't plan for any kind of evacuation. Um, and so yeah, there was a lot to clean. So I had to empty out all their stuff um and then get some tarps on the roof and and all of that. But we ended up leaving the city that afternoon and i basically spent like a week and a half on the beach and, and that was great that was, that was a good way to get away from it all but it was a pretty stressful weekend before that <laughs> yeah
2: i can i can imagine like it because it, it was it was a even even for me if there was a period where i was s- stressing out a little bit um i just from i you know it was, it was it was weird because like the day of the hurricane i was having i was it was totally fine getting in touch with you know my family and that was on that Sunday and then on Monday I wake up and like nothing's going through to home and like oh, I, yes. I knew like yeah like my my, my parents I, I knew that our house like my, my family's house would be okay um I was just more worried about like other family members like my uh, my grandma who's who lives in uh reserve which is right by you know essentially right next to Laplace and everyone heard about what happened there and so I was kind of freaking out a little bit cause I couldn't get to touch my mom. And so I didn't know like through, through extension, like how my grandma was and like, long story short, everything ended up being okay. Um, you know, all, all, my family is, is safe and and damages is, is relatively minimal. Thank goodness. But like, if, I mean, that I was stressed out enough on, on Monday. Like I couldn't, I couldn't focus on anything. Um, I can only imagine what actually being, being there um, in person was like. Um,
1: so just yeah. everything's okay. Yeah, well, one of the reasons we didn't leave was because, like, between, like, me and my friends, like, we had two dogs and, like, three cats to to kind of, like, take care of, and we're like, yeah, if we could not travel with all of those animals, that would be great, um, and and so, you know, we ended up leaving anyway the day after, but uh, what, what was weird to me was when the when it was going on, we made it till at least like where we were, we made it till like 6 30 PM before the power went out. And before that we're like, you, guys, are we getting lucky? Like we were watching that, the outage map or watch I was, you know, I was watching Twitter and you know, people were like, Oh, there goes our power. There goes our, power. and we were like, okay, this has lasted for a really long time. Like I expected us to lose power by like noon and it's like 6 30 PM. And uh, we're like, are we, are we going to make like, are we going to like get out of this and still have power? Like, is this what's going to go on? And then, you know, power went. And what's funny is that Cox internet was still going, even though the power was out. <laughs> so we still have internet. Um, Cause we had some backup power for a little bit. And uh, the internet then like went out sh- like about an hour and a half after that, which was, you know, like Cox normally, if you're from around here, you sneeze at that, you know, you'll lose you'll lose internet. You know, like it, when it gets cloudy outside, you'll lose internet. So I was surprised Cox made it longer than the the power, but then you know, after that went down, I was like no longer getting cell signal. I wasn't getting anything. It was just like, okay, yep, yep, we're in the middle of a hurricane and this is this is the blackout. You know, there's no communication in or out. Like I was trying to send text and they were taking like 30 minutes to go out. You know, like I think I sent a tweet, like I had sent it in my time, like at seven and it published like at 10 or something like that. I don't know. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I was getting like the
2: the same text three or four times and getting it hours later than it was sent. So I, I can, <laughs> that makes
1: sense. So yeah. Much. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was texting Mason. I was like, yo, like what's, so what's the status of the hurricane? Cause like, I couldn't check anything. I'm like, is this thing moving? Is this thing? Like what's going on? And then we found out like, oh yeah, like a transmission tower went down and the transmission lines went down. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's, that's not good. And then yeah. like at that point, there was a lot of poor reporting around the subject of the transmission tower. And like, there weren't any like good estimates as to how long power restoration would take. And it's not like it took a very, uh, it's not like they were able to turn this around pretty quickly. I think they've done an okay job, but it's like, you know, we were, we didn't get power until when Tuesday night, you know, um, or was it Wednesday? Well, uh, no Tuesday night. Yeah. We didn't get power until Tuesday night, this past Tuesday, uh, so that's still like well over a week without power and but it's better than you know the the worst case scenarios that they were projecting like six weeks or whatever the hell like that that shit was terrifying
2: yeah for sure i saw that and it was it was it was really scary i mean because it said because like that it, the, if that's the power that's the estimate for a power being out then that means basically you're telling people you don't come back until until power is back and like that's that's really a difficult proposition for a whole lot of people. And so it's good that things have been coming back more quickly than expected.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm really impressed with how like people in community have mobilized to help others. Um, and, you know, as well as those organizations, you just would hope that government entities would, would do a better job and, and some of the entities that are responsible for, you know, like, like how Entergy just completely had a lot of their facilities in disrepair and didn't do basic upkeep or maintenance and all that kind of shit like you you would feel that these entities would take a little bit more responsibility but ultimately what's going to happen is we're just going to end up getting charged more on our power bill next year yeah sounds about right yeah but yeah no i mean like if you guys are listening and are, are curious for ways to help um you know please feel free to reach out to mason and i we can direct you to some good organizations and good resources that, um, could really use it. So just hit us up. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think,
2: uh, probably easier to do that, uh, especially because there's a bunch of goods, like just easy, easy links to follow to, 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 to seek out those, those places. And so, um, definitely, you know, want to stress that message that there are certain places like, like, uh, Schmidt's saying yeah, outside of the, just the greater new Orleans area that are starting them real, real bad right now and still need help. So, um, any anything I can do is, uh, is absolutely appreciated.
1: Yeah. A good friend of mine, uh, was in Laplace and he got like five feet of water and his, his roof was blown off. And like, yeah, that, that house is completely destroyed. (laughs) It's, it's a bad time for a lot of folks over there. And then that's not, you know, like that's not even including like the, like some of the, the lower parishes that were, closer to that eye wall that where, where the storm stagnated, just were completely battered. Yeah. yeah. So that was the update with the hurricane and there hasn't been much going on with regards to the Pelicans during all of this, which is good. Um, the Pelicans, apparently you know, Andrew Lopez just tweeted, they're working in collaboration with some of the players on their team too do something bigger. Gail Benson announced her million dollar fund initially. I think it was like the relief fund that they started was pretty quickly that they announced that, uh, some, you know, Trey Murphy, the third, uh, is partnered with Raising Canes to, to help out in Homa, And, you know, some, some guys, true holiday, Jaleel Okafor, Frank Jackson, Langston Galloway, all those guys have, have, have also helped out. So it's been a pretty good response from the, the NBA family, Uh, Around the Pelicans, so that's that's been good to see. But um, as far as the Pelicans and the media goes, well, you know, it just seems like every outlet's taking its turn to write about how poor, poorly the Pelicans operated and, on their off season and how ill fitting they are, and how they're just not going to be a good team. So that's and been how, fun. And how
2: Garrett Temple's the first wing off the bench of the Pelicans, apparently.
1: Well, only behind Josh Hart, who is a starter. <laughs> which is something i saw today yeah i mean <laughs> yeah it's it's been a lot um but i don't really have the energy to to fight these people online right now so i'm not going to that's where they're going at it
2: right now they know, they know that people are exhausted from other things and so they can just kind of um you know ha- hammer hammer in on them but um yeah not a lot of a lot of stuff that i guess that you know the. One the big problem I had with it was reading stuff that just seems like you you haven't watched the team. It's like I I don't I understand and, and frankly if if you had um you know you had told us that like a few months ago that the offseason will play out like it did I think it would, it's fair to say both of us would have been disappointed with that outcome and that's fine um, but I think there's a there are limits and and as to how much doomsday we want to put over this off season and, and, and where we want to really focus in on, because I, I, I think that the team is, if you're saying the team is worse than it was last year, then I don't think you're paying close enough attention. doesn't mean they had a good off season, but I think there, we have to, it, it matters how you structure your case. And I think a lot of people nationally, maybe haven't done the best job.
1: Yeah. I'm just curious when you, when you break down, if you really sit down and look at the, the team, and you break it down to, like, different components, and I'm like, what, what areas do you think the team got worse at? So I don't think they got worse at rebounding. Um, Steve Adams, Stephen Adams is a good rebounder, is a good team rebounder. Valanchunas is on another level. I mean, he's a beast, right? So I think that's – you could say, well, um, losing Lonzo Hurts and rebounding – Maybe depends on who they put in the starting lineup. If Trey Murphy's in the starting lineup, I don't think you're going to lose much in terms of rebounding. Um, I, you know, so I, I think they're going to be an elite uh, offensive and defensive rebounding team uh, just like they were last year. I think they were top one overall and then like one and three respectively in the different, uh, you know, the different categories. I don't think they got worse as a shooting team. I think they got better. Um, I think they got better offensively, period. Just addition by said detraction, like Adams and Bloodsore no longer on the team. You're adding a pretty high volume shooter in Devontae Graham. Uh theoretically, this guy named Trey Murphy can shoot. <laughs> and uh is a good offensive player. I mean, I think the bench got deeper. I think the biggest qualms people are gonna have is like, oh, they got worse defensively. And I think on paper, sure. I just, I think anyone who watched the team for any significant period of time would be like, yeah, okay. We weren't, we're not, we didn't lose any needle movers when it comes to defense. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, um, absolutely. But I mean, did they even have needle movers to lose in the first place is a fair question. (laughs) On paper, Um, they
1: had an all defensive guy.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Touche. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, it's really easy from uh, on a, as a surface level. Like if you want to condemn the Pelicans for things that they've done, you can say, Oh, they lost a guy who's just one year removed from being second team all or whatever team all defense. First. And then Lonzo ball, who's like a, yeah. And, and Lonzo ball, who's a theoretical, good, really good defensive player who really in in, in reality is, is, is fine. Um, he's not bad by any stretch, but he's like you said, he's not a needle mover or at least he wasn't for, uh, for New Orleans. So Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I think it's fair to say that their defensive talent certainly declined, but I don't know if the overall defensive, um, you know, performance of this roster is going to dip that much.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's different ways to look at this. I do think my preferred way to look at this is to look at a team who was really close on a lot of on a lot of areas. Uh, last year. So they lost, I think, was it 11 double-digit leads? I think most of them were in the fourth quarter. They were the worst team in clutch. I think that's, I think those areas are small, small, small margins. And I think the challenges the Pelicans face in those areas, particularly on offense, have improved greatly. So if you believe that the team was close last year and and if you think that the team is better fitting than it was last year, doesn't mean it's good fitting, you know, it's well fitting, but better than it was last year. I just don't see how you can think it's a worse team, but there are generally people who think that this is not a well fitting team. So it's fine too, I guess. Yeah. And I, I think also important to
2: stress is, is minute allocations. And so the roster last year versus roster this year, isn't enough. You've got to also think about minutes. And I think that certain players who are strong defensive players are going to see a little bit more action than they did last year like i think it's very fair to say that nazi will play um you know minutes per game will be you know more consistent throughout the season whereas obviously he was a late bloomer for the Falcons last year that helps your defense and other players i mean i, I think there's there's certainly players who we think in theory are going to be good defenders but we haven't seen them play enough to really be confident one way or the other and so uh you know i, I think you'll see players who are who are going to give more effort at minimum and, and probably get more minutes because of their defensive abilities than they got
1: last year potentially. Here's what I take issue, man. I see all these stupid tweets from people who I think are smart, by the way. (laughs) All these tweets are like, man, I think Minnesota's a real sleeper. I think the Kings are a real sleeper. I'm like, seriously? Seriously? Did we lose Zion Williamson or something? You didn't miss that? Who who (laughs) have the Kings added? Who have the Kings added that you're like, oh man, this is they're gonna turn this shit around? Who have who has Minnesota added to where you feel like, oh, they're gonna turn this shit around? Okay, like you think they weren't healthy last year. That's fine. When Carl Anthony Towns was healthy, they lost 15 in a row. (laughs) Come on, man. Like, why are those teams getting any of the benefit of the doubt? Like, oh, I think they can really make some noise in the West. Okay, yeah, I'm asleep, man. I'm asleep on those teams. It's like,
2: it, it's, it's basically comparison to expectations. It's like, if you expected the Pelicans to not do much and they didn't do much, they can be a sleeper team. But because the Pelicans had higher expectations because they've struck out on Kyle Lowry and let Lonzo walk, like all these things that are different for like what they could have done versus what they did. It's easy to, use, to, to anchor yourself on some of that and just say, oh, they're disappointing. And whereas like, I think with some of the other teams, like the Kings and Timberwolves, Oh, you know, they 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 weren't even trying to do that much. So it's okay. And so now they can be a sleeper team. It's it's really weird backwards logic. Um, and I'm I'm inferring here. I'm not no one's said this, obviously, but th- that's kind of how it seems to me.
1: The Kings were like the worst defensive team in the league last year, and they've added precisely who? They've added uh Davion Mitchell, who's going to be a rookie, and he's a six one point guard. So yeah, maybe they'll get a little bit better on that front, but I mean, their interior defense still relies on a, like a six eight Rashawn Holmes. Maybe he's not six eight. Maybe I'm, I'm exaggerating here, but he's not exactly huge, and and he's fine. You know, people people have tried to like paint him as like an all NBA level defender. I just I don't see that. Um, the The Wolves they traded Ricky Rubio for Torian Prince. I okay. <laughs> All right. Woo-hoo. That's That's going to – um, that's, that's really going to make them intriguing, I guess. I don't know, man. I I feel like – I feel like people just want to
2: talk shit about the Pelicans. I, I've got also – so one other t- – so taking a step up above those teams, I am I, – it seems like I've, I've seen a lot – and maybe I'm, I'm arguing around the fringes here because the projections have mostly been pretty close between two teams. But I am very – um. Highly doubtful that the Memphis Grizzlies are still a better team than the New Orleans Pelicans next season. And, and I oh, feel like no. I've seen uni- almost universally the, that people are for, are projecting the Grizzlies to be a better team than the Pelicans, despite the trade they just had with each other. Like I don't see it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Vegas projects that too. I, I who is a shooter on that team? Name me one shooter on that team. They, they, they traded uh, one of those guys.
2: <laughs> one of the few guys they did have. Uh right. Grayson Allen, right? Yeah. So who's left? Um John Morant's a volume shooter.
1: <laughs> but he doesn't, doesn't shoot well from three. I mean, your your best hope is Jaron Jackson Jr. regaining right. form and him becoming your best three-point shooter. That's possible. But and, and I mean Kyle Anderson was hit a decent percentage last year. I just I don't know. I, I feel like people want to complain about the Pelican spacing and they're they're in for a real treat watching the Grizzlies next year. Not like Lakers us or not quite. I mean the Lakers that Lakers at least have a lot of talent going for them. Um yeah. I don't but, know. I saw someone, what was it? There was the whatever the Grizzlies equivalent of the Berg Rights is said that. They, they put out an article that basically said that Adams isn't going to be a downgrade from, from Jonas. Okay. I mean,
2: they want to, they want to, <laughs> and, and look, I mean, I, I think, I think Seth Barton made a similar point just about their relative roles in the team and how they'll fit in. But the point was not that I don't think his point and the Grizzlies, uh, some of the Grizzlies people I've seen talk about it, aren't saying that Adams is going to, you know, win the, win the Grizzlies as many games or more than, than, Eunice uh, did but I think they're more talking about how he's a better fit because he's going to force the offense to come from different places that help with their development that does not make them a better team like it just doesn't
3: yeah
1: I mean Adams forced the offense to come from Zion and Ingram we saw how that worked in crunch time yeah, yeah exa- exactly and hey you know any you know whatever
2: um, you know, not not that the roster construction was by any means good last year, but hey, at very least, it forced it forced the uh, offense to flow through Zion a bit more, and you learn things. And so, even out of bad seasons, thing you, you can uh, pick up things about your roster that will help you make better decisions moving forward. So at least there's a silver lining there.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I I don't think the West is going to be as strong as it has been in years. I think there's more wins that can be had in the West than any time in, in recent history mainly because the 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 teams that are even locked i guess locks to be playoff teams like the nuggets and and the clippers they're not going to win as many games as they would have if they've been completely healthy right so like these teams that may have been like 53 54 55 win teams might be 48 wins teams right and if you have enough teams that were supposed to be that good but are like seven you know 7 or 8 wins less good then that's if you have three teams like that then you have potentially 21 to 24 wins in the West available that weren't there before. And they're going to go to somebody. Right. And, and I think that's the case with pretty much everyone. I'd say even including the Lakers, right. The, the Utah jazz, if they stay healthy are probably a team that can win high fifties, maybe 60, just because they're a well-oiled regular season machine. But Everyone else, you know, I feel like it's not going to be a, a one of those seasons where you need to win like 48, 49 just to make the eighth seed. Yeah, I think case in point is
2: I think the, 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 the one team I look at that really helps to tell that story to me is Golden State. I, I think there are I've seen Golden State projected as high as second in the Western Conference this year. Despite the fact that Clay Thompson's not going to be back to start the season, and there's optimism about him returning sooner rather than later, but you're still you're still talking about a guy who hasn't played in two years, and so I you know, I think Golden State's going to be a good team this year, and I, I have confidence in Clay Thompson still being like a, a pretty good player. But the fact that you, despite all that uncertainty, you can still put them so high in the West speaks to the relative, like you said, the relative health and strength of the rest of the teams in the conference.
3: Now on to sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can make money on sleeper too, by playing their new over under game. It's super simple. First in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or under, for example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball, then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times. The money you put in the main reason I'm excited about over under on sleeper. It's the only app where I can join my buddy's contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download sleeper now to play their new over under game and have fun with your friends. And most importantly, make some money. Make sure you use that promo code blue wire and sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download sleeper, then use promo code blue When you deposit terms and conditions apply, see sleepers terms of use for details.
1: Here's my question for you is if a Ben Simmons trade happens, how does that change your outlook? So let's, let's say, you know, let's say the three most likely West teams to get Ben Simmons are golden state, San Antonio and Minnesota. How, how do you value, evaluate those teams? How does, how does it change each three,
2: all three of those in the playoff picture? Yeah. I mean, I think, I, that, I think it does a lot for Golden State just because again, assuming Clay's back and he's the guy that he, or close to the guy he was. I mean, I think that's a, that seems like a nice fit. <laughs> Although you can't play him with dream on, which is, which is kind of the concern you, you um, So I guess the the upside is questionable because you can't I, I don't see how you can have a functional team with him and Draymond on the fourth, at the same time offensively, even with Stefan Clay. Um, but maybe you disagree with that. I, I
1: don't know. I mean, I, I'll have to look, but I feel like they played like over the years, like I think last year they played Ben Simmons and Dwight Howard minutes together at some point. You know what I mean? And I think yeah, I think they've done weird stuff like that. So I, I think Draymond is better than Dwight Howard offensively. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's fair. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I I think that does a lot for their, uh, for regular season wins. I I don't know what the playoff ceiling is. I don't know how much, I don't know how much it moves the needle on their playoff ceiling. um, Just because again, I think as you get deeper in the playoffs, I'm not sure how that works. Um, But I think regular season wise, it certainly does. Um, As for the Spurs, I don't know. I I feel like whatever trade they would make with San Antonio for Ben Simmons, I I think they're probably not gaining that many wins. I think they're still they're probably giving up a couple of players who help um, from their backcourt. The one I guess the one that's really tough for me to to pinpoint is is Minnesota. I I, I think I could see a whole wide range of outcomes there. Um, But um, what's what's your feeling?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if Minnesota pulled off a trade, they would probably be – they would have to trade all of their future picks and at least I, – I, I don't know how they do it without trading Anthony Edwards, right? And so if they're not trading Anthony Edwards, then –
2: I don't see how they do that. Right? Yeah. So,
1: I mean, it, I guess Maury would really have to like D'Angelo Russell and all of the picks and then get Jaden McDaniels as well and get a bunch of swaps. That would have to be the trade. And, and if that's the case, you know, I, I still don't see how they're a significantly better team than the Pelicans if they have Ben Simmons.
2: So a team with Towns, Ben Simmons, because like that's, that's a pretty op- ideal front court for it, it, for Ben Simmons is, is him and Towns at the four and the five. I think that's, yeah, it's pretty nice. Um, and then from there, I guess the question is, you know, what else do you have enough around those two guys? To, yeah, would like would enough-
1: interesting how they match salary, right? So if Anthony Edwards is in the trade, then they have to include probably Korean Prince as soon as he's able to get aggregated, probably Malik Beasley as well. And so who are your guards at that point? I don't know. You know, so the, I mean, D'Angelo, it'd be D'Angelo Russell and Ben Simmons, I guess would be your guards and I don't know how to, it- I don't know, man. It's such a weird team, and I is Beverly
2: I their on their, is Beverly on that team right now? What's this? Where is he?
1: Was he? Is he on the team? He might be on the team. Yeah, maybe I that's he, why I, people like Minnesota a lot because of Pat Beverly.
2: Yeah, because he's. I think he's. I think mean, <laughs> he's. He's been a moved around so much. I feel like this offseason, but yeah, I think he's dead. Oh my
1: god. Um. Yeah, but you know when I look at that team, I I think Zion's better than Towns by a hair. Um. Actually, might be by a lot real soon. And I think I think Ingram is better than Simmons, and so I just I just don't see that supporting cast better than the Pelican supporting cast.
2: Um, yeah, I man, like you said, it's it's so dependent on what what the trade is and who's going where, um, or who's going back to Philly, but. Um, I, I generally agree with that assessment, um, but I think that depending on how the trade structured, I could see Minnesota being better than the Orleans.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Fun stuff. All, all that. I, I feel like we kind of buried the lead on the Ben Simmons stuff, which is all that. I I, I guess I don't know if that's did did that uh, Ben Simmons or, or um, Maxi not doing uh, Philly PR stuff or our appearances get debunked or is that no. something that no no one's no? debunked
1: it <laughs> well i mean so can we i guess that's the conversation we can have next is agent tactics because ethan sherwood strauss wrote about ca and espn the knicks and all of that and then obviously clutches up to clutch shenanigans with ben simmons and the most recent thing that they've talked about is how it's not ben simmons's job to fix his trade value so they've now said that they will not report to camp if not traded.
2: And the the contract structure is super interesting too. I didn't realize that you saw, you just see that comment from Winhorst on the fact that he gets half of his money for the season up front, So the first half of the season, he can sit and still get, you know, not to worry about a damn thing.
1: That's really funny. I did not see that. (laughs) Yeah. Good for clutch.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that really expertly done. And so that, that threat is not just a threat. That's very real.
1: That's really fun. So yeah, I you know it's interesting, and then at the same time, um, Clutch is being sued by Nerlens Noel. Yep, and that's interesting because Nerlens is basically uh, Nerlens is alleging that several teams try to offer him deals that Rich Paul never brought to him, which I think is definitely true, because I, I know I know of a certain Norris Cole story, and I think you know this Norris Cole story as well. Mm-hmm. And, and how the Pelicans, yeah. after they, they tried to retain, his a restricted free agent, the Pelicans offered him a deal. Rich Paul was like, nah. A bad
2: deal, by the way.
1: Like, yeah, way overpaying him. <laughs> way overpaying him. And it was yeah. the contract length that they, that they pushed
2: back on, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it was the same summer that, you know, like, they paid uh, Ashik, they paid uh Jinso, they paid Dante Cunningham. They were giving everyone money. And it came to be Norris Cole's turn. And they were like, Yeah, you can have three years. I think it was 21 million, 7 million a year. Yeah.
2: Just, just a total joke of an offer. Like he yeah. did he even play in the league that, that year after that?
1: No, he played well after that year. No, I think he was like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he got another deal ever. Um but yeah, so Rich Paul was like, no, don't accept that deal. And Dell Demps was like, Oh yeah, fuck you. And then he pulls the, he pulls the offer entirely and, there, uh, and, and Norris Cole has to sign the qualifying offer. And and yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there have been, I think, I think there have been a few players that have been fucked over by Rich Paul and his tactics.
2: I compare that, and this is like um, the limited fantasy football I do now. We, we always, or, or I guess we do, uh, for fantasy basketball too, we do auction drafts instead of, um, instead of uh, like the snake. Uh, draft type type structure. And it's like where I would bid for a player and like be very, very scared about putting that money down. I was like, shoot, I, I almost hope somebody outbids me. And I feel like that's kind of like, well, it wasn't outbidding. It was just kind of <laughs> clutch bidding against nobody. Uh, and I feel like maybe that's what, <laughs> that maybe what Debs felt like when he put that offer on the table Is like, oh shit. Um, I feel like this is something I have to do, but I really don't want to even though he didn't have to at all. And then once, once clutch of the <laughs> dumps by like huge way off the shore, I was like, all right, not a chance. I'm doing that. Goodbye.
1: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, what, what Dell was uh, thinking offering him in the initial deal period, but I, it was just one of those things, I guess they were riding on the high of uh,
2: the playoff. Uh, work, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it was. Terrible off season. <laughs> Terrible off season. So bad. That so one. bad. <laughs> Gentry was also hired that off season, by the way. um Yeah, no. So I guess sort of moving on. Did you did you have any thoughts about the whole CAA situation and and how it relates to ESPN and the next and whatnot? Um, I mean, it's.
2: I, I think it's good that some of this stuff is coming to light. I think there's obviously like there's going to be bias in, even in, in that type of reporting from that from that article. I mean, there's clear bias involved. Um, um, but I think it's, it, it needs to be out there. It's, it's very clearly something that like, I got Knicks fans of really mad at me, uh, for, for commenting on the, that stuff. Um, saying that, you know, there, I think some people even some, some people replied to me even thinking I wrote that article, uh, the one that, that Ethan wrote. <laughs> and, and even though I, I, I put the screenshot and the link to the damn article, but it doesn't matter. People don't, people don't pay attention. Um, but just like, oh, well, the, the ESPN's hated the Knicks for years. It's like, no ESPN yeah, they hate the Knicks because they, they're not going to try to prop up a a, a, a dumpster fire product. They're, I mean, if anything, they, they can talk badly about a product when it's bad, and that generates content itself. It's like the second there's a, an ounce of hope, the second you can spin something positively. I feel like you see that with with the Knicks, and so there's a difference. They're not going to like they're not naive enough to try to like sell a, a trash product as trash. But the second that trash product becomes like remotely passable suddenly it's the greatest thing ever and oh what what are the possibilities look what could happen from here and so like the the fact that they were not like that espn like dumped on the mix when they suck doesn't mean anything because that's what they sh- that's what they should be doing um, <laughs> and so it's, it's really about when that the second things turn to not be garbage to be just like below average they'll sell a below average product that's the greatest thing ever um, and that i think that's that's a reasonable call out to make
1: yeah, no, I mean, I think I think people are going to be surprised uh, to know that there's a lot of this stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And, and obviously it's not just CAA, right? And it's not just clutch. It's been kind of this power struggle um, and maneuvering for years. I mean, look, the Knicks sent their entire front office to watch Zion in New Orleans. I mean, this shit's already fucking started. And and the, the Clippers were shameless about it when Kawhi was a Raptor, right? Uh, All this stuff about Giannis. I mean, teams just do this shit and they're going to continue to do this shit as long as they're able to do it and there's not any meaningful consequences for it. And there's also not going to be any meaningful change as long as there's not any consequences from the agent side. So now there are two teams, the Bulls and and the Pelicans, who are under investigation for tampering just because Rich Paul couldn't keep an announcement in his pants and <laughs> i forgot it's still just, ongoing we haven't gotten that still, it's still ongoing it's been over a fucking month and and there's nothing that has come out of it yet all because rich paul wanted to announce to the fucking world at 6 on the dot that that this happened and as long as agents are allowed to operate this way um in 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 both in that way, as well as like forcing you know players off of teams and then making them cancel community events and yada 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 as well as uh influencing media, as long as there's not any tangible like punishments for that, all these agencies are going to try to take advantage to it to the max. Every single one. Otherwise, if you don't do it, then you're the sucker. You're the one that's losing out on opportunities to to change outcomes, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean it's I'm I'm just wondering what what comes what's comes next. It's like beyond any sort of uh, decisions on on tampering violations. I mean, I don't what's think... what's the what's the what happens like next time the CBA comes up between this and the and and um, players trying to force trades with three years left on their contracts. Like, I am very curious how this plans uh pans out in future negotiations.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I think. Yeah, I think if one or two stars demand out early. Uh, in between now and the next CBA, there's definitely going to be a, a lot of fight from the ownership perspective. But I, I just don't think Adam Silver has the backbone to do anything about this. I think David Stern would have. I, I don't think Adam Silver has the backbone to do it.
2: Yeah, it's possible. Um, yeah, and I think um, <laughs> you know, I think the 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 Zion stuff is going to be another key focal point. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully nothing. Hopefully it's just takes the rookie max designated max extension and call it a day but i mean whatever happens there i think both sides will be looking monitoring that situation closely
1: yeah guess we'll see gonna gonna depend on this fucking season <laughs> and this ill-fitting roster supposedly i mean <laughs> there's a lot riding on this and, and and to be honest there is right so i think if the pelicans don't if they're not successful, I don't know what, what success means to them. I really don't know what the measure of success is to Zion. I don't know what it is to the team internally. I, I, I don't know. But whatever that measure is, if they don't reach it, and it could be it could mean something different for ownership entirely. I do think more heads will roll. And I and, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Griff was a among, amongst that count, if the team was disappointing. So it is a, it is a pivotal offseason for, for a lot of folks. What, what's interesting to me is that none of the moves that the Pelicans made this season have screamed, I'm about to lose my job, right? Obviously, they swung big and missed for Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul, but they didn't They didn't bounce back from that and be like, hey, we're going to spend two picks for Larry Nance Jr. Or like, you know, we're going to do – they probably take they Buddy yeah. You I know,
2: take Buddy Heal for free or like without taking. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah. They've opted for for flexibility. They've opted for staying lean. And that's interesting to me is because the actions don't scream. I'm desperate. Right. So, yeah. I, I don't know if that's just internal optimism. I don't know if that's just, hey, there's really, really nothing to be worried about. Um, you know, there isn't there isn't any kind of mandate or I don't know. I don't know what that means, but it's interesting.
2: Yeah. And I think, um, some, some folks might be, uh, quick to comment on the, the Memphis trade, right. Um, the, the put it in the Memphis trade, um, t- talk talking about, you know, well, the Pelicans traded a pick to dump salary. And I think if you're looking at that narrow minded, you're, you're missing the bigger picture. Um, and, and you know, it's for, first, first there, you know, uh, forget the addition by subtraction stuff of dumping blood. cells so it's dead weight. Um, it's. I think they're. You're. If you say that you're underselling the value of the upgrade from Stephen Adams to to Eunice. Like, forget whether or not they extend them. I mean, even for next season, I just think that the improvement there and and what it can do to help this team win games in season is is meaningful. Um, and, and doing that and getting off money, even if you're you're not using that cap, that space this year or, or or not even this year, using that space during this offseason. So like, that's not as big of a deal to me. Um, and and. The, to do it, what would you do, you traded the Lakers pick that probably isn't going to be good. But even if it somehow is, you protected it. So I, I just don't see. I mean, if you want to complain about the other asset they lost, like it's not a very high value asset. There aren't, teams aren't stupid. They're not going to you know take a, a protected Lakers 2022 pick in any deal of consequence. So uh, I, I just really don't see that as a desperation move. Um, at best, you can say, well, they they maybe they should have planned better for that you know for that extra space before they made the trade, but. I, I think maybe the Pelicans do it either way. Uh, I mean, just because it it was, I think it was good. Just overall asset management. As long as you don't kind of conflate this deal with the original Stephen Adams deal, then I think in a vacuum, this trade made a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I, look, there. It, you don't need to scrutinize this deal much further than the surface level to see this stuff, and and people just aren't doing that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe this all this all turns out to to blow up in the Pelicans' faces, and we look like idiots once again six months from now. Because you know, there's this creative ways things will happen. I just, well, my my preemptive rebuttal already is that if that happens, it's not because of the reasons people are citing now. It's going to be for totally unrelated reasons, as as it was during the the finishing five era of Drew, uh, Eric Gordon, Tyreek, Ryan Anderson, and, and AD. The, the process didn't mean shit when none of those guys were ever healthy on the floor. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: agree. Anywho's, I think that we can wrap up this little Pelican segment here and go on and move move towards a question and answer pod. Uh,
3: everyone my name's colin kelly and i have one question for you do you love fantasy football and do you want to win in 2021 then be sure to check out rotoviz overtime and all the other rotoviz podcasts, with new shows dropping every day on blue wire we've got you covered for all things fantasy football subscribe to rotoviz overtime today